0: This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe, and welcome to our circle. Well, hello, everybody. This is Readers Entertainment Radio, and I am Patricia W. Fisher here. On the last Thursday of January, can you believe it? I think that we will just call January a practice run, and then we'll start everything in February. Uh, of all the New Year's resolutions I'd planned to do. And one of those New Year's resolutions for sure was to read more. And one of the books I think you should be reading for sure is by a lovely author named Christine Cuthbert who has written a book called Mom and Farted in Church, One One Type A Mom's Journey Leading to Laugh. Uh, learning to laugh and let go. And it just came out, and I'm so happy to have Miss um, Christine on the show today with us. So, how are you today, Miss Christine?
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. So, Christine and I both write or have written for Alamo City Moms blog here in San Antonio, and we have our different. Um, Journeys to motherhood. Um, We're both moms of four, and uh, it's a lot to juggle. And so a lot of people have probably asked you, um, when did you even have time to write with four kids?
1: You know, so my background is in journalism. I, you know, went to school for it and then worked for several newspapers, you know, in my 20s and as I was getting married and starting to have kiddos. um, Decided when I had my oldest to stay home. And then uh, three and a half years later, ended up having triplets. And my newspaper, who I I wrote for beforehand and was an editor at, uh, they came back and said, you know, do you want to start doing a a column about just what it's like raising these four little boys and and the ins and outs? And I was like, sure. So I I kind of viewed from that point from like features writing into humor columnist work. And for the last six years, um, you know, whether it was in Chicago writing and now down here in San Antonio, I've always kind of written just true life stories of what it's like living with these little boys and the ebbs and flows and trying to find the positivity through the fury and the madness of it all sometimes. And, uh, you know, I would always just had friends over the years say, you've got to write this down more so. You know, things are fleeting on the Internet. So they were like, you need to put this all in one place so that one day when your boys are old and having their own kids, you have something, you know, a a memory in in a book to hand to them and say, this is what I went through with you guys. And um, last year the timing was just right. The triplets started kindergarten this year. And so I had kind of more flexibility to finally, you know, move forward with it and put it into a book.
0: Had you, was it a collection of your stories or did you read your story and did that, Um, make you say, oh, that's right, and expand on it, or, I mean, how, how did you decide to set it up initially?
1: Sure, you know, I was fortunate enough to have a lot of columns that I had written in the past, so it did take some of my previous work and kind of grow with it Um, you know we're talking 400 500 word columns that need to be turned into chapters so they they were Uh a foundation I'd say and then it grew from there and I originally had about 32 chapters done and I met with a literary agent and she was just so compelling and was like you know as a writer you need to find an avatar and this is a person that you write to about everything and everything you write to should appeal to this person this avatar reader that you've created and that was where the theme of the book then came to fruition of the theme of how do we learn from this? How do we take these experiences we've had and better ourselves and be able to enjoy our experience in motherhood more? Like now that my kids are, you know, six and nine, I I'm removed enough where I can look back at those toddler years and be like, laugh at them a little more than I could when I was in the
0: throes of it. Oh, sure. I mean, there's plenty of times I would sit there and I just think, yeah. I remember being that tired. You know, I, I, yeah. I don't know how I even functioned that day. Did I wear pants? I must have, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's a we lot because there's, yeah, there's entire chunks of the first year of the triplets
1: life. My husband and I have, have like, just, I don't know if purposely or just God blocked them out of our memory because it was so stressful that, you know, the mind just does things to protect the mind. And, um, you know, I remember being there on days on my hands and knees cleaning up, you know, a Picasso in in the nursery with the triplets at that time, just you know, turning a new shade of red, saying, "I will look back one day and laugh." I will look back one day and laugh, and just chanting at myself to to get myself through it. And now I'm sitting here looking at the pictures and the stories and cracking up over them, you know. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's just I, I wrote it for. My 28 year old self. I wrote it for that mom who maybe has her first and is a nervous wreck and doesn't know what to do. Maybe she's got two in in diapers and one up in the middle of the night colicky that's feeding, that is just a stress basket and needs to hear reassuring words that, you know, you will get through this. You can laugh through this. Don't take X, Y, and Z so seriously. And at the end of the day, if they're loved, that's all that matters. You know, stop worrying about all the exterior things that kind of start to eat away at us and and give us mom guilt or make us feel less than focus on what's right in front of you. What, what God wants you focusing on is basically the messaging in the book.
0: Right. And I think it's important because I, I remember when I, we had our first, I thought, okay, I'm going to, you know, be up to date on everything and I'm going to read all the books she reads and I'm going to listen to all the music mm-hmm. she reads, just not to be controlling, but just to be aware, you know, and I'm going to be mm-hmm. able to do all this stuff. And then you have the second one and then you're just kind of glad that both of them are dressed when you walked out the door, including, and then yourself as well. And, and you and mm-hmm. then you have more. And and it's it's this feeling of, I can't believe I chose to do this, you know, some days and it's <laughs> okay to feel that way. You know, Uh it truly is okay. I think it's important for books like yours to say, yes, things get hard, and there are times that I did go sit in the bathroom and cry by myself. um, Right. And that's normal, and that's okay.
1: Right. And I think, um, as my mom said, after she was the first one to read the book in its entirety, her first comment was, you're giving moms the chance to, to just be okay, like not be so hard on themselves to accept themselves for who they are, to say, it's, yeah, like you said, it's okay to not be happy and joyful every second of the experience. And it's also okay to say no to some exterior things to allow yourself the grace and levity to enjoy what's right in front of you more. You know, I, I look right. back and there's, you know, now that mine are older, I look back and I feel sad that I, I wasn't fully present in some of those moments, but you know, I had an older one with learning differences who was starting kinder in first grade, going through a rough time. I had triplets tying a potty train. I mean, every, getting through every single day was an accomplishment at that point. And when you're in that kind of mode, which so many young moms are, it's kind of hard sometimes to be fully present and in it, you know. And so this book really kind of gives people just ideas and tips on little moments and little ways quality versus quantity of how to get those, those little snapshot moments that they will look back and say, yeah, I did enjoy this.
0: So where did you, so the, the title is Mom, I Farted in Church. Um, mm-hmm. Why that, why that title?
1: Well, so you know, the the of the book is I am an incredibly type A control freak type person, just wired that way <laughs> since birth. And and uh, you know, in raising these little boys, I was always, you know, just, you know, we're we're a sideshow wherever we go, right? I mean, you know, with four kids, when you every time you walk through the grocery store, oh my god, are they all yours? Oh, I'm going to say yeah for you. And <laughs> Everyone's eyes are on you, particularly <laughs> four little boys, three are clearly the same height. Um, and so I, over time, I became even more increasingly type A and worried about what people thought and, you know, what people would say at the grocery store if they misbehaved. I was just always on high alert. And I mm-hmm. was in church with them one day. And Tommy, one of my triplets, loudly pronounces in front of a whole sanctuary full of people, Mom, I just farted in church. Do you think God heard it? And he had a huge mm. smile on his face. And he was so happy and excited about it. And normally I would have crawled in my skin with embarrassment. And I looked around, and everyone was laughing hysterically. But I just had this aha moment of, like, they're not laughing at us. They're laughing with us because this is a little four-year-old little boy. He's adorable. It's hilarious. And he's right. God is probably laughing along with us. He's he's not embarrassing yeah. me. He's laughing at what a beautiful, hilarious little boy I have in front of me. And I should be laughing with him appreciating it versus feeling embarrassed or shameful that my kid just said this in church. And so that was kind of what triggered this turn of events in my life to just stop feeling that embarrassment. Stop caring what that judgy lady, you know, in the milk aisle at H-E-B says about him climbing out of the cart or what God knows what they're doing. Right. But whatever right. it may be, you know, it takes one comment from somebody in the store or, you know, anything like that to kind of set you off and make you feel like you're not doing a good job. And I kind of stopped, I stopped caring about other people's judgments at that point, And I started focusing on what was really important. And that was, are my boys happy and am I happy and enjoying this with them versus trying to man- right. just instead of just managing them getting in the process with them and enjoying the ride more with them.
0: And I, and I think that's important because a lot of times, you know, we're all so focused on the perfect that mm-hmm. kids don't remember the perfect. They remember the imperfect. They remember those right. crazy impromptu moments. Like um, the first time my son, my son isn't and my younger two are excellent burpers. Like they're fabulous. Mm-hmm. And um <laughs> So I remember we were sitting here and it was rainy and it was the summer and it had been raining a few days and everyone's really getting a little nuts and it's summertime of course so Um, and I ended up having some root beer left over from a birthday Mm -hmm. party we had and man that just ate up the whole afternoon they just everyone just sat there and just had a belching contest and it's one of those those wonderful impromptu moments if it wasn't everything perfectly planned it's fine to sit back and let the natural stuff happened. Right. So, yeah. I totally
1: agree. And, you know, I, I say in the book,
0: anytime you're questioning, you know, if you
1: yelled at them that day and you feel guilty about that, or they had a bowl loose for, for dinner, which Lord knows it happens. But if, if you're ever feeling those moments of guilt, like you're not doing enough for them, think to those little forms they fill out at Mother's Day at school, where they write about mm-hmm. the things they love about their mom and all the questions they answer about their mom. And right then and there, you'll see they don't, they don't, even you know record all those other things that you're worried about they're recording like you said the root beer afternoon or for us it may be just walking into the parking lot in target and i'm squeezing their hand a little tighter that's like our little cue to each other that we're making little memories as we squeeze each other's hands and it's Mm -hmm. those little moments that they'll remember versus me going through a big production to do something you know special for dinner that night that they didn't even really care about does that make sense
0: yeah yeah yeah, I think, too, that it's just a lot. I mean, as a mom, you, you, you're you trying to take care of so many things, pulling you in every direction, mm-hmm. and there's plenty of dads doing this as well. Um, mm-hmm. But it's that feeling of I have to be everything. Mm-hmm. And that moment of stepping back going, you know what, I don't, and that's mm-hmm. okay, and you really don't want to be everything because right. then they will never leave. <laughs> right. I
1: had you know, there's a big part of my book, too, that talks about um, social media because I think so many moms today, you know, there's a huge mom culture uh, presence online with mom bloggers and, and writers and even just people within their friends. I've had moms come to me and say, you know, they felt left out because they weren't part of a play date that was posted online or, um, you know, their kid wasn't invited to some other child's birthday party. And I talk a lot about, you know, that tried and true statement of comparison is the thief of joy. So if there's mm-hmm. things that are filtering into your life that are sucking your joy out of your process, eliminate them. You know, there's filters mm-hmm. on social media for a reason. And, you know, at the end of the day, these are your people. These, these are, you know, your family is your people and your tribe and your team. And, you know, they should be the focus at the end of the day. I mean, it's great to have external things going on, but never let anything take you from that team, if that makes sense. I had a friend right. when we moved to San Antonio two years ago. We moved down here. We did not know a soul, and I was so nervous about it because we had been in our community in Chicago for nine years. We a million friends, great community, and um, she had moved to Austin about a year and a half prior to us coming to San Antonio, and her words of advice, I still tell people this to this day. She was like, that first six months, you're not going to know anybody. That's okay. Take this as an opportunity to spend this quality time with your family every weekend, every night, because you're never going to get that back, especially at these young ages that they are right now, that uninterrupted quality time. Even if, you know, it feels a little lonely, you have your people, and this is, you know, a gift to you to be able to spend this quality time with them.
0: Right. Yeah, I think, too, we we do also try and shove as much as we can, and it's okay to sit back and have Mm -hmm. nothing I, I, I actually mm-hmm. now there's times I'm like, oh, we don't have anything on the calendar today. Well, hey, how and about it's that? And wonderful, right?
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Those are my favorite <laughs> days. I, mean, I have to run off to wrestling tonight and three more sports start up in a month, and I'm just like, oh my god February, we have no sports. Like, we can actually play a board <laughs> game one night or, like,
0: go do right. something together that's not sports practice, you know? Something else. That's right. So right. you've gone from, you go to the, you, you're talking to a litter agent, you you have decided you want to put this together in a book. And then what's your, what happened? The process of you coming to, I think I want to write a book. I'm going to write a book. I've done write a book. I've talked to a literary agent and then what? Um, so I met with the literary,
1: or I, I spoke with the literary agent over the summer. Um, it's just spring summer and she did a beautiful developmental edit on the book. And then I came back to her with kind of an edited proposal. And bottom line at the end of the day, the way the publishing world is going right now is, you can be the greatest writer in America, but if you don't have a massive social media following and platform Mm -hmm. to land your book on, they're not interested in you. And she was very frank with me about it and was like, look, you know, uh, we don't even really need writers anymore. Like if you're a celebrity, we can hire a ghost writer. Like, unfortunately that's Mm -hmm. just the way things have gone. And she's like, but I think it's funny. I think it's relevant. I think it's beautiful. I think you can, you know, come back to me in a year or two and keep building the social media or if you want to, you know, you can go self-publish. And my thinking from day one, when I set out to do this was never to become an influencer or, you know, some mom expert in in the world. That was never my, my yeah. goal. And so I just said, you know, my goal is to put this into a book and I have, you know, the where all and the connections to do this on my own. And so I ended up self-publishing and it was, the greatest experience imaginable, particularly because as a self-published author, I got to keep complete control over my content. You know, had I gone through a publishing house, they surely would have changed my title when my title is one of the things that grabs people the most. They're like, what is this book about farting in church? And they start laughing instantly. So for me, being a type A control freak, (laughs) having complete control over the process, Choosing my photographer, how I wanted the cover to look, choosing my editor, choosing my graphic designer and my formatter was fantastic. And it was, it was calming for me to know that I was controlling and picking the greatest people for all these positions. And then mm-hmm. um, being here in San Antonio for the launch party, we ended up working with several uh, local businesses that sponsored the event. So they got to come and meet with the women who came to the book launch and promote themselves and in, in a sense covered, you know, the cost of the launch party and then also the book signings and guest speaking touring I've been doing. So, so you nice. know, people, you know, it's a it's a great era to be if you want to write a book. You know, you can do it on your right. own and do it where it's financially savvy and, and have a good outcome from it. I've, I, it's just been a dream come true the last 12 months for me.
0: And for anybody wondering, you know, it's like, and it's not it's not one of those moments, and I'm sure you didn't. I mean, I'm sure you sat down and crunched your numbers and everything. But you know, mm-hmm. don't ever think, no matter what, you want to put the most, the best quality product out there you can. But right. also, yes, right. you have complete control. But you also have all. I mean, you're responsible. You're responsible for everything. So right. I think uh, right. if if you're if you're like you, you are very. Um, uh, organized and you know and you know exactly what you're thinking but for someone who's not quite sure sometimes the guidance right. of even just an editor is always a good idea right. too so oh and that's would, you're would, right yeah. there's a beauty of that yeah
1: yeah and I, I mean I'm a professionally trained writer I mean that's my college degree is mm-hmm. in journalism and even I would never put anything out without having without having a professional editor um you know take care of it because Mm-hmm. your own work you're you're not a fair judge of it you know you've looked at it and read it and written it over and over and over so many times you need that fresh set of eyes to take a look at it and check it for absolutely everything so yeah hands mm-hmm. down you need an editor
0: for sure and and, and it's interesting because I was a, a nurse I was a trauma nurse and I decided I was going to go back to school and get my bachelor's in nursing and associates and one of the things that I saw at this community college when I was finishing my prereqs was um, write for the school paper and get credit. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, well, that would be a great way to bring up my GPA, and that will be an easy class because I've been writing forever in journals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took my stuff in, and she just shredded it. But mm-hmm. And rightly so. But I realized at that moment, I'm like, oh, that is better. And so it, it, it is a ego slap, but, yeah. man, that helps. And so I just I decided yeah. to get a journalism degree. So yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it's a it's a huge it's a it, you have to be willing to step back and let someone help you get better. And that's that's 100%. sometimes hard for people. Yeah.
1: And sometimes so, finding somebody yeah. who knows your voice
0: too. You know my uh, my yes. editor
1: is Taylor Henderson. She was the editor of Alamo City Mom. So she had already been editing my work for a year, you know, over a year at that point. I guess maybe maybe right. a little less than a year. And so she knew my voice. And so when editing my work, she knew how to kept, keep my voice in the writing while cleaning it up at the same time, which is, you know, you got to find somebody who knows exactly what you're trying to come across and not change it too much where it doesn't sound like you.
0: Right, right. Yes, and, and Taylor's wonderful. She's very, very good. Um, and so mm-hmm. now you've got this book out. Are there any plans to write more? You
1: know, not nonfiction in this. Format. Um, I've been toying – my mom does illustrating, and so I've been toying with the mm-hmm. idea of taking the triplets and their mayhem and turning it into a children's book um, with, okay. you know, the concepts of the stories that you learn about with the boys. Um, but I've been, you know, it's been a little burnt out on the mom world. Uh, it's a wonderful yeah. thing, but I, you know, I'm a, I'm a reporter by trade, and so I'm, you know, I've been freelancing and going back into more features work, um, interviewing and doing you know working with some really fascinating people, and um, my goal for this year is to turn that into a podcast um, just a real simple you know interviewing one on one with people about themselves, their stories um with the underlying of finding humor in life and levity
0: yes and and you know what's in I like that you bring that up because. I think a lot of times when people become parents, and we'll focus on moms for this for this conversation, but I mm-hmm. think no matter where you've started, whether you just graduated high school or you've graduated college, you've got a PhD or you know an MD or whatever, um, you really do need to go back and use that part of your brain again because it mm-hmm. you will. A lot of times people are like, "Well, I don't want to go back into that field," and that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. But I think using that, that knowledge base is important for us to keep our brains from not turning to jello.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. And just keeping your skills sharp. You know, I, I hear from people all the time and I have friends in these shoes and I'm quasi in these shoes. I mean, I still freelance, so I keep my toe in the pond, but you know, you have a lot of moms who stay home when they're in the trenches of motherhood. And then suddenly everyone's in kinder and first grade and you're like, okay, now what, you know? Mm -hmm. And so for me, writing, doing a book, now starting a podcast. These are things that, you know, might not be insanely lucrative, but they're keeping my skills fresh. They're keeping my name out there, me connecting with people out there so that if I come to a point where I can be more flexible and go back to work full time, you know, my resume is still moving and I'm still kind of honing the craft because things are turning so audio these days, you know, um, podcasting Mm -hmm. and audio books are up more than ever. And so I really feel like, that's kind of the way of the future with some of this stuff and it's exciting to now learn that whole realm you know i mean you're doing a fantastic job of interviewing on air i'm i'm typically writing down the interview so it's a a whole new world to explore for me
0: (laughs) yeah it's definitely um i know the first few uh, episodes were pretty raw (laughs) that i I had and and that's you know it's it works it'll you figure it out. You read more. You you do your research. Do your homework. I think that's mm-hmm. one of the big things that a lot of people, and I'm sure you've seen it too. Um, they they don't do their homework. Like you see the ones that mm-hmm. don't um, look into who they're interviewing or um, right. let's say uh, or who they're being interviewed by even. Right. Um, and all that's so essential. Right. Oh, absolutely. So we were talking a little bit about motherhood and then we're talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, keep using your brain. What were some of the Mm -hmm. ways while you were pregnant and then, of course, in between having your nine-year-old and then your your triplets, what Mm -hmm. were some of the things you may have read or things that helped you keep your brain, you know, like we said, not turning to jello? I mean, were there certain books, certain authors, certain anything anything like that that you helped yourself with?
1: You know, I'm a big nonfiction reader when I do have time to read, and I'm kind of a magazine and kind of um, article reader versus long books. I have um, ADHD, and so for me to sit down for a long period of time and read is pretty difficult, uh, which is one of the reasons why my book, the chapters, are quite short. I've told people (laughs) you can read a chapter while you're sitting in the car line to pick up your child because they're really fast, quick reads. Um, But, um, you know, I was always writing while I was – while I was raising my babies, even if it was just a column a month, I always had my mind uh-huh. going, of okay, what's the next topic, or what's the next story, or who are we going to interview? Um, and that was always just nice, having that escape, you know? Um, and even now, you know, like I just I just was interviewing the former CEO of AT&T this week for an article, and my husband comes home, and I'm like, listen to all this stuff I learned today. Like, this guy's just amazing. It's just so fun for me. Uh, one of my – like things I love about life is just connecting with others. And so to be able to sit down and learn these fascinating things and learn from others um, is just so enjoyable for me. Um, as far as not letting my brain go to mush, hmm, I, I, I can't answer that one. I, there there have been days where, I mean, I, I threw my phone away in the trash can twice this week because it was in my hand with the trash that I was bringing out while getting in the car
0: with the puppy. So my, mm-hmm. there
1: are huge chunks of my brain that are still pretty mushy at this point, even with them in kinder.
0: I remember years ago my godmother was talking about how she was trying to, she was coming up to like a parking garage, and so she's she unrolls the window, rolls the window down, um, reaches out, it's raining, and she's got her kids in the car, and she's trying to get the ticket. And, try, and then she ends up almost rolling her head into the window as she's trying because she's trying to do oh my God. everything. It's and I and I remember that moment of her telling us and my dad was just in hysterics, but it was but he kind of nodded and I thought, well, but dad's always got it together and I think, oh wait, no he doesn't. You know, it's, yeah. Yeah. every parent's yeah. been there.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's. it It's crazy. I have a friend who drove off with the gas pump in her car still and like ripped the whole hose off of it.
0: I only read about those. Wow. Yeah.
1: And especially in today's world, right? Like you said, we're running the sports practice or we're here or there. So there's just so many exterior factors pulling us in every which direction that it really it's quite it's quite a challenge to keep your focus these
0: days. So you've been a writer for a long time. What was the mm-hmm. most – what was your favorite thing that you've ever written about or, or favorite person?
1: Oh, um, oh, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> I wrote about uh, – in Chicago, I wrote about an organization. Um, it's called Hepziva House, and they it's essentially an orphanage. It's a home for children who have come out of really, really bad situations, And um, I was part of an organization up there who was um, doing some philanthropy for them. And it just spoke about the programs they had and just these families in the community that would come in and bring, you know, a whole Thanksgiving dinner for them and loads of Christmas presents. And anytime I get to write about something where people are having an impact in each other's lives like that, it's it's so rewarding because it just renews your sense that there's good in the world and, and good in people. So I love covering stuff like that.
0: You know, recently um, there was my my son is in sixth grade, and he was the teacher was nice enough to send us a note saying, okay, we're going to be talking about the Holocaust this week. <laughs> I was like, thanks for the heads mm-hmm. up. Um, yeah. And, of course, Monday was the, the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. So uh-huh. we were sitting here at the table, and I said, what have you learned? And they were talking to us, and um, all the other kids were at the table, and everyone's kind of talking, and we were talking about all the different things that happened and why and I said in all of that all of that awful going on there were people helping and there were people Mm -hmm. risking their lives for other people there were people Mm -hmm. and I was giving him stories and they're all looking at me like are you kidding me and I said so there's always good somewhere so it's like you're talking about those stories where people are are doing things they don't have to Mm -hmm. um and those those are wonderful stories those are, are wonderful mm-hmm. moments. Have have there been mm-hmm. um, times that you've like, man, I'd really like to write about that? Have, do you have stuff on your on your wish list for for interviews um, or stories? Not at this point. Like
1: nothing specifically in particular. Um, you know, well, I, the things I enjoy writing about tend to be things I'm passionate about. So, um, you know, when I was going through fertility struggles. That was always a topic that I thought I would delve into later in life, but that industry has changed so much even since, you know, I was having my babies. I was, you know, it's a whole different ball game now, but for me mm-hmm. it's ultimately just coming down to telling people's stories. Um, mm-hmm. I think we all have so much to learn from one another and, you know, you, can, you see people every day posting on social media, everyone out there is going through their own personal battle and be kind, and be kind in this and that. And it's so true. But by telling mm-hmm. people's stories, it just makes you appreciate it even more. So I have certain podcasts I listen to just because, you know, that next day I'm going to, or after I'm done listening to it, I'm going to be reminded yet again, yes, <laughs> do we have a roof over our head? Do we have food on our plates? You know, are we loved? Right. We're in good shape over here in the Cuthbert house. You know, it's, it's um, that connection with others and, and hearing other people's stories. I think we all
0: have so much to learn from each other. Oh, for sure. Has there? Do you come from a long line of storytellers? I mean, do you did you have family members that were really good at telling those stories? Is that where your love for writing has come from, or telling the story?
1: No, no, it's just straight up being a third born and having to entertain. <laughs> uh, my mom and dad are both school teachers, and uh, my mom is is I would probably deem her an introvert. She's quite quiet, and my dad's hysterical, but he's not a storyteller by any means. He's a math guy, so. Um, you know, it was just it's a personality thing, and it's quite eerie because one of my triplets is me, but a boy. I mean, his level mm-hmm. of exaggeration and embellishment in the stories he tells at six—it's like taking me right back to being on the playground and making up some <laughs> elaborate themed thing to, to entertain my friends. So um, <laughs> it's just always, always been who I am. I was a I was a second grader sent to the principal's office for talking too much in class. I just always had that social butterfly to me, and I've always, my friends call me the cruise director because I've always been the one to make sure so-and-so knows somebody and make sure so-and-so is invited to this dinner party so they can meet this other person. I've always been a connector, and I think it just has filtrated into my work because through all the reporting I've done, you know, I, I'd rather pull my eyelashes out than sit through another school board meeting or city council meeting, but I absolutely love doing feature stories and interviewing and, and telling people stories.
0: Yeah. And was journalism always on your radar? Or was it something that came later in life? I mean, like, like you were in high school or or college?
1: It was always on my radar. I I went to a college specifically because they had a great journalism department. And I originally wanted to go into television and um, interned with television studios in college. And being a, you know, 22-year-old blonde, blue-eyed girl, there's about 500,000 of you that want to go into broadcast news. Right. And the pay was, like, enough to eat ramen and get a studio apartment in, like, you know, um, Dust Bowl armpit of California. And so <laughs> I, I was like, I don't want to be nine hours away and make, you know, pennies. I want to go back down to the Bay Area and be near my family. So I ended up um, skipping out on the television gig dreams and, um, you know, going back close to my family in California, and then met my husband quickly after, and, you know, the rest is history. We've been all over the country, so.
0: Wow. I mean, it's it's a lot. I I don't think I, when I went back and got my journalism degree, I did an internship um, at a local TV station, and yeah, I think everybody, or a lot of people who go into journalism think, oh yeah, you know, broadcast journalism, but they don't realize that you might intern there, but you're going to start at someone who's, number 175th in the ranking of all Uh the studios Uh uh, in the United Uh States. So you might start out in Idaho. Um, and you're going
1: to haul all your gear and edit all your own
0: stuff. And yeah, Yeah. it's
1: a hustle, man. And I have friends that have done it and I'm like more power to you, but I just, Mm -hmm. I had, you know, goals and aspirations of a family and, and you know, that's hard to do when, when you're trying to make it in that industry, you know, in your twenties. So, um, you know, it was a chapter that was exciting
0: for a while. And then I said,
1: you know, wait, the pros and cons and just the family part was more important to me. So.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and same thing. We got pregnant and then or I got pregnant and then it was, um, yeah, this isn't going <laughs> to this, mm-hmm. this is not quite going to work. But I had a great mentor that said, then you learn something. It, You know, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. whether you decided you were going to do it for sure or not. You learn something while you were here. And that's what's right. important sure. about it and And just like you probably learned something for every article you write, like I did not know that right, or right, you know, yeah, has there ever been a assignment an assignment you've taken that went really bad, like maybe the person who you were interviewing or the group or whatever it was just like you're in it, and you're going, oh no, this is not this is not gonna work for a story
1: oh, um, you know not super, duper bad. But I will say, you know, when you're in your early 20s, it's very difficult to be taken seriously. Um, And, and, you know, now that I'm older, even when I get on the phone with some of these, you know, I do the um, guy to know column for San Antonio women. So I'm speaking with like head doctors and head members of the military and stuff here in San Antonio, really successful Uh professional guys. And now at this point in my life, like you said, I make sure I do my homework. Like I have Wikipedia'd you, I have read every article I can find on you, I have notes and questions ready to go before I'm talking with you um, because of those experiences in my 20s. You know, one time we were at a, the town I used to ride in had a motorcycle rally every year and the former head of the Hells Angels was there, Sonny Barger, a real well-known guy in the motorcycle world. And mm-hmm. I swear to God, I was, like, 22, 23, and I rolled into work thinking they were going to have me go cover, like, the food booth or whoever's performing at the main stage. <laughs> and they're, like, Christy, Sonny Barger's over there in that tent. Go see if you can get an interview with him. And I'm, like, who's Sonny Barger? You know, I, mean, I, I had no clue who this guy was. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, he's, like, the head of the Hells Angels. You got to go talk to him. Okay. Like, talk about intimidated, right? I'm, like, walking over there, <laughs> like, hi they're freelance you know I'm like oh my god and <laughs> fortunately he was very sweet but he was probably like what is this little girl doing over here right now talking to me she doesn't probably can't even probably name two different motorcycles you know and so it's yeah. like that where you're just kind of put on the spot I had a situation in Kentucky where there was a live shooting going on in high school and they told me to go and I said nope <laughs> you don't pay me <laughs> enough money to go over there without Kevlar on so sorry you know um, situations yeah. like that I've you know I've I got to do some really cool stuff with the military um, do like stateside embedding with them um, during my time in Kentucky we were stationed by Fort Campbell so that was a lot of fun um, but yeah it's just it, I think for a reporter preparation is key and so sometimes you get into situations where you don't have that time to prep and that's where you really have to think on your toes and um, build that rapport with the person you're speaking with so they trust you enough and they're not like in their eyes at having to deal with you if that makes sense
0: yes it does and and there are times i've had a couple in in mind that um one i just i couldn't find a lot of information on him. i was supposed to interview this person that was doing a movie locally and um he mm-hmm. was a character actor and it was <laughs> the only thing i could really find that was of any significance of the press being covered because international movie database was very new at the time mm-hmm. um, was um, his domestic uh, issues with his ex-wife, and I'm like, yeah, let's oh, talk Lord. about that. Um, so yeah, right. I was like, oh no. Um, so it was it was hard to to kind of grasp a good you know foundation, and then of course he wasn't interested really into do the interview either, so that makes it harder. Um, right. And it's just one of those moments that you're like, I just want to salvage enough if <laughs> you mm-hmm. walk out if you're with something. Uh, Mm -hmm. But yeah, you're right. There's, there's times if you don't do your homework, people are just like you're saying, they don't take you seriously and nor should they. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Especially, especially if
1: there's someone of importance, because they've done a million interviews already,
0: you know, and so
1: you really got to come at them and and make them feel comfortable right off the bat so that they want to talk with you.
0: Right. And there is a bit of grooming, um, you know, a little bit of an ego stroke there. And I think that's Mm -hmm. for anybody that is, is going to be interviewed or you're talking to is they want to know that you've at least invested enough to know the basics. Right. Right. Because it's not their job to educate you Mm -hmm. on themselves. (laughs) Agreed. Agreed. So, so you've got your, your kiddos. And so what are Mm -hmm. some of the things that moms, the little no things are things that you've come up with on how, to, like you're saying, to sit back and, and take the day as it is? and every, I mean, are there little certain ones that you always pull from? Is it like your, you know, your mom basket of, of tricks for yourself
1: yeah, that you, you want know, to share with us? Yeah, there's things I talk about when I do guest speaking with mops groups, and it's really kind of a list. It's You know, I have a little sign on the rearview mirror in my car. It's just like a little piece of cardstock I stuck, stuck up there, and it just says, they're just kids. They're not meant to be perfect. And I think it's mm-hmm. just I have to have that visual reminder because probably almost on an everyday basis, they have me like a pressure, pressure cooker at some point, someone screaming and mm-hmm. fighting on the way home from school pickup or, or Lord knows just there's four of them. There's always drama. And I just have to keep <laughs> that visible reminder of like, yeah, there's six. They're, they're going to do really stupid stuff in the grocery store. You know, they're going to try to weigh yep. themselves in the produce scale. They're going to knock over a whole display of Febreze and now that they're getting a little older, I'm I'm not. It's bothering me even more because I'm like, no, you're six. Like this is unexcep- acceptable these days. So they are getting more consequences for it, but there's still just there's three of them, and so you know it's mm-hmm. like I tell everybody who likes to be like my children are perfect. I'm like, try having a play date with three kindergarten boys twenty four hours a day for the next year of your life. Like they just, mm-hmm. you know, they they vibe off each other and they amp each other up, and it's chaos. So having that visual reminder um, to just let it go and, and not try to hold them to the level of perfection either is important. Um, like mm-hmm. I said earlier, I tell people um, comparison is a thief of joy, really kind of limit anything on social media that may you maybe feel it, making you feel less than or making you feel guilted, like you're not doing a good enough job. Um, finding quality versus quantity moments that you can mm-hmm. soak up and enjoy, like your root beer story. Um, I tell my boys, I, I tell them all the time, I'm going to cry on your birthday. I don't want you to get any bigger. And I squeeze their little <laughs> hands. Um, and that's us making like little muscle memories of their hands at this size. And um, finding humor. Like that's the whole point of the talk I do is finding moments to enjoy with them. We prank their dad all the time, like whether it's, putting a rubber snake out right by the garage where he walks in after work and we'll stand there mm-hmm. and wait in the window and watch. I've taught them how to toilet paper people's houses. I mean, we plan it out with nice. friends, but it's like old school, 1980s toilet papering. It's We roll up with hoodies on and, you know, and they're waiting for us with Nerf guns to attack us. It's an absolute blast. And like you said, those are the things they're going to remember more so than, um, you know, the, the big trip to Disneyland or whatever it is we're doing. Uh, they... Let's see what else. I wear crazy wigs and masks to the car line pickup, and mm-hmm. they find it just absolutely hilarious. Anything you can do to just lighten the mood. You know, if I'm yelling at them sometimes, right. I'll start yelling in a monster voice. Um, and, and I have a friend who does it in a really funny high-pitched voice. Anything to just shift the energy really helps, I've found. And I mean... It's- I yeah. always feel like, I always tell the moms when I talk like I feel like I have imposter syndrome being up here at the podium because I still have days where I like completely fly off the handle like it's unnatural not to um and if there is anybody out there has a special secret that tells me how I'm supposed to be calm twenty four seven please share with the world <laughs> but um you know it's just trying to have more good days than bad,
0: I guess balance, yeah for sure, and you you're right, I mean it's just. It's not anything that's ever going to be easy. You know, motherhood is not supposed mm-hmm. to be, and I, I do. Right. You know, you, you, we all do it. We all find it's like, oh, well, so and so is great with a glue gun, and look what they created for the hundredth day of school. I forgot it was right. the hundredth day of school. You know, so yeah. you know, good luck. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. We went. I went to love you last week. Yeah, last week some moms, some friends of mine, they started this lunch bunch group where their kids are about to go in the elementary and, you know, so they all go to different elementary schools. They're trying to keep the moms together because everyone's friends. And they have these lunch Mm -hmm. topics and that week it was picky eaters. And so everybody's giving out their ideas of how to get your kids to not be so picky and food options and this and that. And they're all going on and on about how much their kids love roasted cauliflower. And, oh, I just put olive oil and salt and pepper on it and i roast it up and they just pop it in their mouth like popcorn and so i leave the lunch feeling all motivated like yeah i'm gonna try this tonight oh god no it was like gag city in the kitchen like <laughs> why did you do this to us my children felt like <laughs> like hood-winked, I tried betrayal. to betrayal roasted cauliflower like how dare you mom like we're already giving you celery carrots and green beans isn't that enough Like, why are you pulling this on us right now, you know? And so it's just, I mean, everyone's family is different. Everyone's culinary experience is different. Like, you just have to do you, and you just have to do the best that you can do, you know, not what the lunch bunch person can do, but what you can do and what your kids can do.
0: Right, right. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Christine. I really love talking to you. And if anybody is interested, she has a wonderful book out, Mom, I Farted in Church When Type A Mama's Journey to Learning to Laugh and Let Go, and it is out now. You can also follow uh, Christine on Instagram. She's at Christine Cuthbert, and the link will be in the write-up of the show as well as the buy links, and reach out to her if you've got a fun story, or look for her uh, out and about because she's uh, doing some presentations, and also she writes for San Antonio Woman Magazine, so she, you could also look at some of her work there. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And everybody, you keep reading. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.